And when I tried to share how hard my day was, how much I was struggling, he felt like there wasn't time for emotions. And I very much um, was struggling. And so I shut down. Welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to offer encouragement, give hope and insight so you are flourishing in your journey as a special needs mom. As we explore monthly themes, share inspiring stories and practical tips, our desire is that you are connected and encouraged. Todd and Kristen have been married for 21 years and have two children with rare genetic disorders and complex needs. As award-winning authors and speakers, they're passionate about empowering other parents of children with chronic illnesses and disabilities and professionals serving caregivers. They both earned their master's in Christian spiritual formation at Wheaton College and have served together in full-time ministry in church, camping, and retreat settings. Kristen is a licensed master social worker experienced in couples, child and family, substance abuse, and crisis counseling. They enjoy traveling and the outdoors together. You can connect with Todd and Kristen and learn more about their ministry and resources at disabilityparenting.com. Hi there, everybody. I am here today with Kristen and Todd Evans, and I am so excited to have you guys here on the podcast. So first of all, if you guys could each tell us a little bit about yourselves. Sure. Yeah, I'm Todd and uh, one half of Todd and Kristen. (laughs) And, um, you know, we've been married about 21 years together. Um, We had dreams of starting off in ministry together and and kind of pursuing that. And, And we started off that way and things and and this special needs journey has uh, kind of changed some things in our life and our direction so we were talking about it this last week that we've probably had between us at least seven career changes over the last um, 10-15 years here uh, just trying to meet the needs of our family so uh, for me personally um, you know I've been in in ministry full-time for about 12 years but then changed careers and went back to school to work on my engineering degree I've been a professor at a university. Um, I run a diesel uh, delivery business now um, that fits better with our family needs. I'm in an online retail business as well. Um, plus, trying to uh, work my wife on writing a book yeah. <laughs> while squeezing in time to run and uh, and take care of our kids. That's a little about me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Kristen. And in addition to that, um, full-time caregiver, um, care coordinator, and I'm a licensed master social worker, um, passionate about mental health and caregivers. So the Lord just opened up this opportunity during COVID, ironically, to speak and write, and um, it's bringing things full circle for us. It's so exciting. And we'll hear more about this book that you guys are working on at the end of the podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about your introduction into the world of special needs parenting, honoring that um, your kids are older and they're in a different part of their journey? But Yeah, so it started when our son was a baby, um, knew that something wasn't quite, quite right, and he quickly became very ill. And that began our journey to save him medically and developmentally. Um, diagnosed with the 14th case in the world, known case with his specific metabolic disorder which caused a lot of complex needs. And so that's where our journey began. And we felt like we had been through a very difficult time. And if someone had told us it was preparing us for a more difficult journey, uh, 
don't think we would have been very happy <laughs> or believed them. Um, but when uh, our son was three, we became pregnant with our daughter, Bethany Grace, and knew very early on in the traumatic pregnancy something was was not right. And um, two days before Christmas, we received the news that she has a severe chromosomal deletion called Creedy Shaw syndrome, um, which began her lifelong journey of uh, being a medical survivor and developmentally just um, exceeding everyone's expectations. And she's 13 now. Wow. And how old is your son? 16. Okay. Yeah, we're walking through all of that with our teenager too. It's very interesting, the world of special needs and all the teenage stuff on top of it. <laughs> so. Before we continue our podcast today, here's something you should know. Have you pre-ordered The Other Side of Special? Navigating the messy, emotional, joy-filled life of a special needs mom. If you pre-order our book, you'll get a free copy of the audiobook and some other amazing pre-order bonuses. Our book would also make an excellent Mother's Day gift. Order today on Amazon, Baker, and other online retailers. If you have any questions, you can go to our website, takeheartspecialmoms.com backslash books. Now let's get back to the podcast. So can you tell our listeners, um, we're going to focus a little bit on the topic of grief today. I know that's a passion of yours. Um, It's a passion of mine. It's something we write about in our book. I would like to hear each of your unique perspective and how you approached grief. Todd, do you want to start with that? Sure. Yeah, I'll be happy to start. Um, And for for this, we'll just talk about our our daughter, Bethany. For us, it it was hearing the news about it and just uh, just overwhelming and and traumatic um, that we just couldn't believe this was happening to us, that how could this be? Um, Just what did this mean for our lives? What did it mean for her? Uh, and just a real shock. So, so the grief was um, that news of, of her um, diagnosis and everything was just very traumatic, very overwhelming. Um, we both felt it together and experienced it together, worked through it together, just kind of leaned on each other quite a bit. Uh, so that that experience of, of that first part of grief um, was one that we shared and, and was a unifying experience for us. It was kind of us against the world in some ways. Then it, as we moved through the pregnancy and, and into the birth and delivery, that's when our paths really diverged with, with the grief experience. As we got into the daily life of, of trying to care for our daughter and our family and take care of that, our experiences really started to differ quite a bit at that point. So my for me, the the grief was very much I would say suppressed, um, kind of moving past it almost. That that the daily churn of life was just so incredibly hard. We were involved in in setting up oxygen concentrators, doing feeding pumps, doing pulse oxes, doing all the medical equipment, taking care of her, plus trying to work full time in the midst of all that. So. For me, I had to really settle down in to almost a business-like transaction where if I didn't take care of the daily needs of life, our family wasn't going to survive. So for me, the grief just became something that was really an afterthought. I didn't have time to deal with grief. I just had to move on and really focus on helping our family survive is what I felt like for the most part during that time. 
So, so for me, it was a very quick, we'll deal with it. Let's move on. We got things to do. And then we got a family to save and a daughter to take care of. That was kind of my experience. Yeah. And I was drowning. Um, <laughs> I was coming off of uh, severe trauma from the pregnancy and delivery, um, which a lot of moms have with medical kiddos. And in addition to that, I had quit working. I was home full time doing the midst of the caregiving during the day, going to the appointments, hearing devastating news at appointments, going into medical crises, driving her back to the ER, um, you know, being at the appointment, seeing other kids her age at the hospital who were typically developing and just daily experiencing waves of grief and watching Todd and how he reacted to me, it was like there was something wrong with me. I thought there was this something keeping me from just getting over it. And um, and so I felt invalidated. And when I tried to share how hard my day was, how much I was struggling, and you know, as as we've talked about over this and talked about it, he felt like there wasn't time for emotions. And I very much um, was struggling. And so I shut down. And that is when the separation between us emotionally, um, the grief and the stress began to drive that wedge between us because we just didn't know what was going on with the other person and what that was doing to our marriage. And just now, even in just researching for the book, we've had an aha moment of, oh, that's what was happening. Disability parents experience what's called chronic grief. The, the grief process is different. The model doesn't fit our experience. Yeah, for sure. And so when you talked about how it drove a wedge between you two, so when did that kind of come to a head and what have you learned from that and just relating to one another? Yeah, it was more than a year into um, our daughter coming home from the NICU that uh, just came to a point that we, that we kind of realized that if I, if we kept on like this, there was no way our family was going to survive. Yeah. That, that really, this was tearing us apart. That yes, we may be taking care of the day-to-day things and struggling to get by, but there's no way we can sustain this level of energy, this level of, of commitment and and dedication to the task with ignoring the emotions and survive long term and so it kind of came i'm a very scientific based person um, with evidence and things like that so it was when the evidence piled up enough that our marriage was gonna die if, if we didn't change then that finally hit me hard enough to say is my marriage important are we going to continue down this path are we going to make changes and that was a, just a really hard time and there's already so much damage that had happened in that over a year's time period that, uh, that it was it was going to be a tough process to dig out of and, and to deal with the grief. So that was kind of when it came to a head is, is at that point. And we went to marriage counseling. We knew at that point we were not going to be able to resolve this on our own. There was a lot of hurt. Finally, uh, another piece of that, which it's going to sound bad about Todd, but we've worked through this. He did not see my need to go for mental health therapy. And I was very much in a deep, dark depression, which can happen to one in three special needs parents. Right. 
And so that began to drive a deeper wedge between us. And so it was at the point he said, okay, I'm sorry, you were right. You definitely need to go for mental health treatment. Um, willing to go for marriage counseling. And it was, it wasn't so much what we did or what we learned. It was one night, Todd basically said, I haven't given up on us. I'm not going to leave you. And that recommitment to we're in a bad place, but with God's help, we're committing to stick this out and get through this together. Yeah, so it wasn't so much a dealing with the grief at that point, uh, but just dealing with life that had come to that. I think the, the grief aspect of it, we had to deal with to move forward, uh, but that wasn't kind of the primary motivation and, and driver for us. It was more about realizing we were at the end of ourselves and had to have something different. Uh, and, when, and that openness to, to be willing to share that with one another was kind of the start to a new process. And that's also something we really feel is, is critical to dealing with grief it is so often we're hiding it below the surface. We're mm -hmm. ignoring it. We're not willing to share those feelings. We feel guilty about it uh, and, and just don't have time for it sometimes. But one of the biggest pieces of dealing with that grief is, is just to get out in the open and be able to talk about it, share those feelings, feel the validation from your spouse. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of where it started happening is we that openness to, to just say something out loud i really kind of got things kicked off and, and started rolling uh, towards the, the healing process which which was a many many year process yes, it wasn't just process. it wasn't overnight um, and, and it's been a continued dealing with that differences in grief and realizing uh, more about the other person where they were coming from what they were feeling and why they reacted the way they did you know for Kristen. She really didn't understand how I could just emotionally disconnect and, and, and why I did it. But, but then after explaining to her, it was for our family. You know, I didn't know how else we could do it. We're financially strained. We're doing all this stuff. I don't see any other way to do it and move forward. Um, so she started to understand me better and why I made that choice. It wasn't necessarily the right choice for our family, but she was able to see why. Because I was able to share that reasoning out loud to her. And she was able to share with me about the, the deep pain inside um, that, that she was having and struggling, that it wasn't just, okay, this is a diagnosis, it's over. This is something I go through every day. This is, I, I hear it in the doctor's office, I see it when I look out at other parents and families. And so I started to understand her. So that's really the, the core of a, for us is really just sharing out loud kind of what that is and being willing to be vulnerable in that way with each other and extend each other grace mm -hmm. and yeah lots of grace. <laughs> for sure and i i think it's true that you said <laughs> grief is isolating and a lot of times especially as special needs parents we feel so much shame with it because we haven't actually lost our children so we look at other families that have lost children and we say oh well, we don't ha we don't have a reason to grieve which is complete nonsense <laughs> you know and uh, I just, I think what you said about ignoring the emotions and just moving on, I, that can just be so dangerous. I think just admitting and speaking it out loud and then being willing to share with one another is so good. So as you've been further down in your journey, how do you continue to talk to one another about grief or just to 
you know, it looks differently, right? In different parts of your journey. It's chronic. Like you said, Kristen, it's chronic. It's ongoing. It's never, we're never going to lose this grieving journey with our children. It's just not, it's just not going to happen really. Um, But now that you're further down the stage, what, I guess, what's a word of advice that you would give to our listeners who are maybe further down in their journey and they've understood it and they're dealing with it, but it's coming up again. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's going to keep coming up. I mean, even this year has been a hard year for me um, with, with a chronic aspect of grief. You know, our daughter turned 13 in January, um, developing into a young woman. Yeah. All the teenage hormones and everything, but but she's still a, a two or three year old. Yeah, um, and and so it, it's a it's a painful thing in some ways to to know that that's never going to be what we hope for our daughter to, to have a family to grow and she grows into this young woman to blossom and and start her own family and things like that. And there's a grief of that not being there, um, but at the same time, you know, I, I was just talking to Kristen last week, you know that. Um, I've been so busy with with work and things like that that you know I feel like we haven't had much time to to read bedtime stories to our to our daughter, for instance. And so for me, it's like you know that's something that I may not have this other thing, but what I do have is is she's still going to love bedtime stories for the rest of her life. I can yeah. spend every night doing that. So so a piece of dealing with the grief, I think that is not to focus on what's not there, but what joy what good things you have and, and, and the blessings that you do have and that uh, replace them with something that, that you are blessed with because you have blessings in the midst of it. Yeah. yeah and I think as our children get older we start to go to those future milestones more yeah um you know thinking about we're not going to be looking at colleges and just focusing on wherever you are in your grief journey just the present day, you know, we have to plan for our children, but at the point we've done the planning we can do, going back to finding simple joys um, in the day, like Beth said, you know, all the special things about Beth that bring joy and just wherever you are in your grief journey, also allowing yourself the permission to feel those waves of emotion that come up and validate yourself. It makes sense you're feeling this and not feel guilty for wishing, you know, our daughter was going out with friends or, you know, having sleepovers, um, allowing ourselves to feel those emotions and validate that. And then also validating that in one another, you know, when he brings up, this is hard, like, sounds like that's hard. Yep. It's hard. And just reflectively saying, you know, one another's emotions, and we're going to have different reactions to different events. That's what we're learning. It's going to, like, it's hit him this year. It's kind of hit me for the past four years, you know, when she started middle school. So we're going to have different events or just we may not even be able to figure out where that emotion came from. You know, one day it just, the emotion of anger or jealousy or grief comes up. Um, But just realizing we're on the same journey together, the two of us. and. We're just experiencing it differently. And how can we support one another? And connect in the midst of it. And connect in the midst of it. Yeah. And what I hear you saying is that it's okay for you both to react differently to grief. Mm -hmm. But it's important to share and connect with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's critical. Yeah. So if you could go back to the beginning 
of when this started. And and honestly, not that we would necessarily change it because, right, you've grown and learned and changed. Mm -hmm. But if you could give somebody else a word of advice who maybe is starting this journey, especially as a married couple, approaching it as a team together, what's one thing you would tell them? Yeah, I mean, like you said, we've grown and we've, you know, grown closer together through this. However, we'd like to help other couples avoid the pain and the deep pit of mental health that we went through. And definitely one thing we would do differently, um, which is critical for disability parents, is have more support. We we were very blessed to have the support of family and and a couple of friends. Um, however, we did not join a support group mm. for several reasons. And there's lots of reasons that disability parents do not join a support group. However, that probably would have helped guide things in a different direction. Um, go to marriage counseling sooner yeah. than we did instead of waiting until our marriage was on the edge of <laughs> despair. Um, but definitely that support is critical. What would you say? Yeah, I would say, you know, that's one piece of it. Uh, you asked for one thing, but maybe there's a couple. <laughs> that's fine. There's kind of an outside piece of realizing your spouse cannot be everything you need um, and giving them that freedom to not do that. That you need other people, friends, support groups, like you're saying, that can uh, do some of those things and, and God to fill the voids that, that, your spouse and others can't fill because that's what God does for us. Uh, but the other thing kind of internal to the marriage, I would say, is really just listening to one another, um, giving that time to, to hear one another, not just talk, um, but, but, but to hear. And she mentioned a minute ago about uh, reflective listening. You know, it's just a simple technique you learn in, in con- how to do conversation. Uh, maybe you've done that as a parent. You're teaching your child how to do reflective listening. You just even just repeating the question. Oh, you've had a hard day. Yes, it was a hard day. Tell me more about it. You know, and I, I'm terrible at, at those kind of you've things. You've learned. I've learned. Yes, that was one of the things that turned our marriage around. Yeah. When Todd learned how to start validating me, it's very powerful. It's simple, but so powerful because you feel heard. And when I was able to validate and 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 to. To, to listen, she was willing to share more and to reach out more than that, you know, helped, helped trigger something inside of me that um, made me more empathetic and realized some of those emotions in my own self because I heard her um, saying them. Um, so that's, that's really one of the biggest things I would say is just be willing to spend that time. Talking. Set aside a special time every day, even if it's just five minutes to check in and, and ask questions, not try to be heard yeah so as opposed to trying to make sure you're heard only asking questions yeah for yeah. us that really happens after getting the kids down for, for Unfortunately, bed. It's, tired, it's going over and work you just you can't talk you're not in the mood to and you're still exhausted at the point after you get everything set up all the medicines given everybody tucked in all that um, but but just committing to saying Let's take before we turn the TV on or anything else. Let's just talk for five minutes and kind of making that a habit can make a, a huge difference. I think that would have been probably the biggest advice to ourselves back then. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you how you did it. I'm so glad you answered that because I think sometimes we think five minutes. Why bother with five minutes? It's not that big of a deal, but it is. 
five minutes is okay. And that's, that's huge. Um, And I love how you said that you ask questions, not in order to be heard, but just so you're willing to listen and that reflective listening. I love how you talk about the therapy piece. We actually have been covering that in the podcast or in the month of March for the podcast. And I actually had a friend text me last night uh, that her son just officially got a diagnosis. They kind of have known it, but you know what the difference is, right? Between Mm -hmm. official and waiting. And she said, listening to your podcast gave me the courage to go to my husband and say, I need to see a counselor now and not wait. Mm -hmm. So I think that's huge. So maybe something along those lines or something else that you're learning right now as you're in process that you would like to share with our listeners. Yeah, mental health is is huge. You know, one in three, one yeah. in five who have a medically fragile kid or have had one medical event meet the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. And, you know, the, I, I'm a mental health like research nerd, you know, because that's my passion. But the more I read about how one spouse having mental health symptoms impacts the marriage. You know, that is a huge piece to strengthening your marriage. And even if you don't have mental health, uh, anxiety, depression, or any other symptoms, if you have a child who has any kind of additional care need, you're going through any grief, distress, you can benefit from counseling. Yes. (laughs) A marriage that's not having problems can go for prevention and for strengthening even if you feel like you're doing okay. Um, And I'd say one of the other huge factors um, in making your marriage strong and resilient is managing the stress together. You know, and that might look like, it could look very, it could look like you're literally doing something together or you're supporting one another's self-care. So for example, of doing something together, you hug, and you do deep breathing for one minute together. It is powerful, the physical and emotional stress reduction and the closeness you feel. That's one example. Take a hot eucalyptus shower together. Uh, and then I'll let Todd talk about, you know, it may not be managing stress or coping together, but encouraging one another's self-care. Yeah. First of all, well, first, once you said with uh, just hugging uh, <laughs> together for one minute, that, that feels really weird. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? You know, why would we do that? I was like, okay, you know, we've got to write a book, but I, I got to at least try this. <laughs> we can't put it in the book if we haven't tried it. That's our so, so, right. so just, you know, we tried it out and, and it was a little awkward at first, but, but it, like you said, it's amazing how just thinking your breathing and just being together and that uh, connection there of slowing down life for one minute uh, can make a difference. Um, so try it. You know, that, that, that's something simple that, that you can do, again, for like one minute, just um, get 30 seconds and yeah. one minute feels too awkward. <laughs> but uh, one of the biggest gifts she gives me is allowing me time to, to go out and run. For me, that helps me deal with stress. It gets my mind off work it, and, and the issues at home. Um, I'm able to either um, go out to see the creek next to me and be able to kind of meditate as I run. Um, or to think through other things in my head and be able to think while I'm running or, or just check out whatever I need that day. Um, but a lot of times she'll just come home and say, I've got dinner started. Go out for a run. Uh, go out and do something. And, and for, for me, that's a huge gift, um, being able to, to do that. And that helps me to, to get through 
um, alive. Um, so those kind of little self-care things um, can, can be big pieces for, for getting you through life every day. And for strengthening your marriage. Yeah. It's funny that you were talking about that with the hug thing, because I have noticed lately, I, we have four kids and our kids are getting older now. Our oldest is almost 20, but I'm and I homeschool. So I feel like I'm so drained at the end of the day that I rarely just touch my husband, right? I rarely yeah. hug him. And the funny thing is I've noticed when I do hug him, there's just this sigh of yes. deep breath that just comes out of both of us. And I never, I just never thought about it that, like that. So thank you for sharing that because I do think sometimes, again, we discount that the smallest moments of 30 seconds or a minute of touch or talk or connection can really last us. You know, it, it can, it just gives you that connection to keep going and mm-hmm. all of that. So, well, would you like to share a little bit about your upcoming book and also where our listeners can find you on social media? I know I loved recently seeing that you guys ran a race together, I think. Yeah, that's another one of our stress outlets, but doing a goal together and then encouraging one another. It accomplishes a lot of goals. Yeah. Yeah, we did one where we we traveled away to a different city and were able to um, get away for a couple nights. You know, luckily we have great grandparents there and were able to help get us out um, to do that. But yeah, just that experience of being out together and and kind of that adventure um, just builds those memories and those long lasting things that that you reflect back on um, and look at. But but even this weekend we did a family race to get a little five k and all of us went. You know, we had six of us out. The grandparents, the kids, and us. And every other season went. We have a nurse did it too. We've taken nurses to races before too. We're a running family, also. So I love that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So we are bursting to talk about uh, what we're working on. We, you know, we went to therapy, marriage counseling twice. You know, just over the years, you know, from that therapy, it was helpful. I'm not going to. You know, discount a therapist who doesn't have any experience in helping parents who have children with disabilities. It is extremely helpful. But we found that there's this gap in the literature and resources for married couples who are caring for children with disabilities. There's some great books out there that we're seeing that in terms of like practical, we call them supplemental marriage skills that, you know, all the research, we face stressors and unique challenges that that other parents don't face. And yeah. so we discovered we didn't have those skills. And so we kind of stumbled through it, you know, for a decade. Kind of, you know, we've come to these skills that work. Um, and then also, you know, through my training um, and then um, through it, the book is not researchy. So I just want to, you know not scare people away it's not but it's based on research um these skills that we need to develop as couples caring for our children and we kind of describe it as you know most people are out in the typical world you're um, traveling down the road in your car things like that Uh, but really as a special needs parent we compare it to being dropped off in the middle of the wilderness and expected to survive and make it without survival skills and most people yeah. don't have that background of, of wilderness survival skills that they need to really even make it, much less to thrive in the wilderness. Um, so that's kind of 
how we're looking at our book and kind of theme throughout it is what are those survival skills um, if you've been dropped off in the wilderness that you need to really yeah, make it day to day and, and eventually get to a point where it's, it's healthy and enjoying the, the beauty that's around you and, and the place that you are. Yeah, and we're not shy in sharing our raw worst moments, you know, and, yeah. and to give people hope. And this is how we went from this pit to loving life together. Right. Well, and yeah. I haven't. I even appreciated as you and I have been communicating back and forth, you know, one of the statistics that's floating out around there is, you know, 80 to 90% of marriages with kids with special needs ends in divorce. And I know you gently corrected me and said, I've done this research and it's not actually out there. And the thing of it is, is I think when we are predisposed to thinking a certain way, mm-hmm. we just right. assume that that's how life is going to be. And I agree with you that we have a very, there's a huge gap. There's a huge shortage of practical resources out there for couples who are saying, you know what, we're committed to each other. We, we want to do this. Uh, we want to make this work. So how can we actually thrive and not just be two strangers living side by mm-hmm. side in this mm-hmm. journey? I think that's so important. Yeah. When you, when you see the statistic, you think, oh, my marriage is doomed. You know, why? What's the point? You know, but there's not research that shows that. I'm still trying to figure out where that statistic even came from. You know, it does show researchers don't agree on a statistic. Sure. It's based on lots of factors, um, lots and lots of factors. But they do agree on one thing, that our marriages do face extraordinary stressors in comparison to families who don't have kids with disabilities. Um, So that's kind of the focus we take. Yeah, you're at greater risk for marital strain. You're at greater risk for mental health. These are the ways you can help prevent that strain. Um, And, you know, trying to do that in a very conversational, just like we're talking now in the book. So where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so we have a blog. Um, with different articles on disabilityparenting.com. And that's where you can find us on Instagram um, at disabilityparenting. You know, we're, we're doing some speaking engagements at different places around the country this year and last year, but um, and some of those get posted as we go. But we put those on our website and our blog so that you can see those too. And I also have a, a Facebook um, mom support group called um, Disability Moms Living Strong. And the focus is faith and mental health um, and just, you know, practical, encouraging uh, resources to integrate, you know, faith and mental health as we seek to be resilient as moms. And when can we expect this resource to be out or just a general time frame? So right now, um, Baker Books has projected that the book will release the April or May 2024. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being guests on our podcast today. I know everything that you've shared today is going to be so encouraging to our listeners. And I'm just very grateful to both of you. Thank you so much, Carrie, for inviting us. All of our resources, including an entire written transcript of this episode, is available on our website, takeheartspecialmoms.com. There are also links to anything we mention in the show notes of this episode. 